Hey there, this is Jay from Filmstrip dropping in to let you know you're about to hear a classic episode from our archives. Some of these shows were produced before we called the show Filmstrip Podcast, before we used popcorn ratings, uh, had the standard intro song from Frozen Lake 121, or really even knew what we were doing recording and editing the show. However, there's a lot of fun in them, and we hope you enjoy. Just wanted to let you know in case you noticed the differences. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Continuous Play's Romantic Comedy Retrospective, While You Are Sleeping, featuring Anna McCoy. Yes, I can check that off my list of things to do. And Jay Newcastle. Oh, come on! We'll review the plot, talk about the themes, and give you our recommendation for further viewing. ContinuousPlayPodcast.com and Continuous Play are not affiliated with any movie, television, book, music, or publishing-related company. All properties are copyright and trademark of their respective owners, and all rights are reserved. Welcome into Continuous Play's second episode in our romantic comedy retrospective, Today on the Docket, While You Were Sleeping, starring Sandra Bullock, Bill Pullman, Peter Gallagher, Jack Warden, and Peter Bull, directed by John Turtletaub. This came out in 1995 and made over $182 million worldwide, a huge smash for Sandra. I'm Jay. And I'm Anna. And we're glad you're awake and joining us here for our the second episode of our romantic comedy retrospective. And as we're going through these things... And then you and I were, were planning these out. We're trying to pick four films. I mean, how can we limit something like that to four films, right? Right. Well, we, we started with Pretty Woman, and we both said, you can't do romantic comedy without a Sandra Bullock movie. That's true. You cannot. I, I mean, she. you know, for all the credit Julia Roberts gets for being in these things, quite honestly, Sandra Bullock has made a life out of this. Well, and, and, I, and quite a good one. So. I, I agree. I agree. I'm trying to think back to some... The la- of course, the last Sandra Bullock thing I um, watched was The Blind Side. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I keep going back to that. And I'm trying. I'm not that it was a bad movie; it was a very good movie. But I'm like, I'm trying to put it out of my mind so I can think back a little further. But um, she, yeah. But and there was a time actually around this time, 1995, um, when While You're Sleeping was made, which is I believe this came out right after Speed. Yep. Which was which is basically Sandra Bullock's <laughs> Pretty Woman. Yeah. Uh, and there were talks of doing a Pretty Woman too, and instead of having Julia Roberts, they were going to have Sandra Bullock. Yep. There was talks of that too. So I don't know if you want to call Sandra Bullock the poor woman's Julia Roberts or something. Ouch. Really like her, and I I really liked her after The Blind Side. I really liked her even more, and I really like um, I well, like Sandra Bullock. I, I will go so far as say, while you were sleeping, is not my mo- it's not a bad movie, but it's not my most favorite Sandra Bullock movie. No, it's and it's probably it, it's not uh, her best performance necessarily, but as far as her romantic comedies go, it's one of the better it, ones she ever did. It, and it, it is one of the better ones, and it was a huge hit. And it was the thing that you know, Speed made her a big star in '94. 
this was a big hit not only domestically but foreign. Matter of fact, it made more money overseas than it did domestically in it in its box office run. You know, it made more made more money overseas than it did domestically. This thing was a major hit for her, and it's a cute story too. Basic plot of this: it's real simple. She's a railroad clerk in Chicago, and she has this fantasy relationship with a I guess he's a stockbroker I don't know Peter Gallagher who people might know I from think the, he's a lawyer but I'm not sure he's one he's something where he dresses nice like and looks that. good he looks rich she has this fantasy relationship with him you know and her fellow clerk mates all joke about him all the time you know and it's just one of those things to pass the day if you ever had a job where you had to sit and just take tickets or things from people all day you do anything to pass the time so I can relate but anyway she she's a railroad clerk and one day he falls and almost gets killed by the train. She saves his life. And in an odd mix-up, they think she's his fiance. His, her fam- his family does, whom she's never met. They've never met her. Anyway, it's a weird thing in the hospital. He's in a coma. She meets his brother, played by Bill Pullman, the uncle, the father, the mother, everybody. And they kind of take her in as if she is part of, going to be part of this family. And she goes along with it because she doesn't have a family. And, and she really likes it, but ultimately feels so guilty about it. She knows she's got to make some changes, but she realizes there's a small problem. She's fallen in love with his brother course played by bill pullman and now what will she do and that's the whole the whole story really is uh, of while you were sleeping is that this woman who essentially goes along with this huge lie and and ultimately works out for the good Um, yeah and i was gonna say in that um in the whole family scene there is this um neighbor i believe that the family has taken in his name is saul he's played by jack warden yeah and he he's kind of her confidant like he knows she's lying and he tries to kind of help her keep the charade up and stuff because he doesn't want to disappoint the family and stuff like that because they've been good to him too and i think he was a really great character in this movie as well oh jack, jack warden is a great just character actor if he uh, is. he's one of those guys you just need to google him and look up his, his filmography you've seen him in a million things he's wonderful in this and and he play he plays Saul. The, he's their godfather, is what he is. But he's like a neighbor that they he's sort of adopted member of the family, and he relates with her. I kind of got early on. She's an outsider. He's really an outsider. There's no blood relation there, but he's learned to sort of accept their eccentricity and kind of the way they they care about people. And he's trying to make that easy for her. And you're right. He sort of plays the godfather of the whole movie and he's so good in it. It's, it's uh, the Saul character is so wonderful. And you got to have one of those in a romantic comedy that's based around family dynamics. You got to have the, the, the family member that's a little different than everybody else, but is really the protector. You know, Uh, we talked about protectors in pretty woman. He's definitely the protector of, pretty much everybody in this thing. Oh, yeah. And, um, of course, the dad is, I have to throw this up, the dad is played by Peter Boyle from Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yeah. Who's who's and, just wonderful, too, and is so funny. He is. Uh, he's he's someone who's really under, uh, uh, God rest his soul now, but he's, someone, he's an actor through his career. He was very underrated. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I've seen him in a few things where I thought he was, he was really good and has... Uh, and never really got the due for it, maybe that he deserved, but a very good actor. But the so lead. One, oh, one just, more thing I wanted to throw out. All right. Is that um, on all this, is that this movie had a very good supporting cast and Sandra Bullock didn't have to carry it. Uh, that's and a good it's point. probably why she. 
if she did a very good job in the movie, I'm not discrediting her or anything, but there, there's a very top-notch supporting cast in here, and neither Sandra Bullock or Bill Pullman had to carry, or both of them put together had to carry this movie. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it work, is you don't have a major star in this. I mean, I guess she was, because she was coming off speed at that point. Pullman and none of these other people, they were character actors. They're just, they played parts and roles, but Bill Pullman's never really been a lead guy. It's not what he does. Not even when he played the President of the United States, he wasn't even the lead in that. I mean, he, you know, he's yeah. he's one of those guys that's just there. And, and I feel sorry for him, too, because prior to, I think this might be the only movie, I mean, his wife died in Independence Day, but... <laughs> Um, like prior to this, like he's in Sleepless in Seattle and he's the guy Meg Ryan dumps for Tom Hanks, who's, yep. who's all the way across the country. I mean, he, before this movie, this is like his first real movie where he actually gets the girl. He's always been the dumpy kind of, yeah, he's I, always been that guy that you're going to dump to get to the other guy. Well, the thing I knew him from at this point was he was in Malice with Alec Baldwin and uh, Nicole Kidman, and he gets played by Nicole Kidman in that. And, and this guy gets played all the time. That's sort of Bill Pullman's life. He was serpent in the rainbow, and he got a railroad spike nailed through his... Well, anyway, I remember that. But, I mean, the guy doesn't get a lot of luck. You're right. So, you know, he's the tool. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, well, you know, we talk about our leads here. Bill Pullman plays Jack. Sandra Bullock plays Lucy. And I love the fact that they, and Sandra Bullock's one of these women, too, that she's never played, like, the uber-glamorous roles. She's done a few, but not really. That's not sort of her thing. Yeah. They play her very understated in this. She doesn't wear a lot of makeup. She doesn't really fix up her hair. She doesn't look like she goes with the you know, the mystery guy she's in love with, you know, Peter. Uh, who's <laughs> And that is Peter Gallagher playing him. His name's actually Peter in the film, too. So... And he does, I mean, he lays there on the bed almost the entire film. He talked about having a great gig. Um, I mean, he had to do nothing. I wonder how much he got paid for that. Is that <laughs> I, on box office mojo? I'm curious. He's third bill, so you know he's got to make some money on this. But, yeah, you know, they don't really play her, they don't play her sexuality up in this. And I thought that was an interesting choice. You know, they don't play her as this, this real gorgeous woman who just has this rough job. She's just sort of this normal girl. Well, if you look back over Sandra Bullock's filmography, only one where she's really been glamorous and she wasn't really supposed to be was um, uh, Miss Congeniality. That's her only movie where she's been. Because in the one with Hugh Grant, the two weeks notice, she was this kind of granola crunching, save the world lawyer. Yeah. And he was the billion, he was this billionaire playboy. And if you, and you look back over um, stuff like that, she's really um, she's never re- she's never really played the glamorous. Well, she's and, never really played a glamorous role. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, and we should mention she wasn't the first cast in this. Demi Moore was in this movie, and then backed out of it. And but Sandra really wanted it, and so when Demi backed off of it, they they immediately put Bullock in the role. That could have been different with Demi Moore because I don't. I, even though she's tried to play sort of gruff and and normal from time to time, I've never bought it with her. She has a quality about her that you need to see her dressed up. That's just sort of her thing, you know. Uh, yeah. Sandra Bullock works in a sweatshirt and jeans. She just looks like that's what she wears, you know. She does. She does, and I think that's part of her appeal mm-hmm. too. And this is one of the movies, like we said, this is a year after after Speed. Her career 
is just kind of starting to take off. And this is really like her first romantic comedy and, you know, started her on a string of stuff like two weeks notice and Miss Congeniality and stuff like that. And yeah, it's it's definitely the the first one. Yeah. It's it's definitely the first one that hit and did anything that was Uh real significant. So that that's for sure. So she's, you know, we've kind of gone through the plot a little bit. Uh, a mugger pushes Peter onto the tracks after trying to to rescue him. This is on Christmas Day, by the way. That we we should have mentioned the time period of this. She goes over to you know um, save him, and a nurse overhears her fantasizing about wanting to marry him. That's where the misinterpretation happens. So the nurse tells Peter's family Lucy is his fiance. And too caught up in it, she goes along with it because mm-hmm. we learned she's an orphan. Her mother died when she was an infant. Her father has died a year previous to this. So she really has no one but her kooky landlord and his son who hits on her all the time. It's really cute. <laughs> and and, um, and her friends at work and then this mysterious relationship with this guy as the turnstile clerk. Yeah, she does. she's kind of got a pitiful existence, you know? Until this happens, she just kind of has this real pitiful existence. Yeah. And, you know, she's sitting in her booth, taking her tolls. She's got this creepy neighbor hitting on her all the time. And she's just sitting there, you know, fantasizing about this lawyer or or whatever this whatever he does. I don't think they really say. They don't really whatever, say, yeah. Whatever he does, this businessman who just she probably spends no more than a minute a day interacting with just taking his toll and giving it probably on the way there and the way back. And she's, she's just sitting there fantasizing about him. And there's one scene at the very beginning where her boss kind of gets her to work Christmas day kind of, because, well, you have no, she's like, I don't want to work Christmas day. He's like, you're the only one with no family and nowhere to go to. And like, they set you up at the very beginning for this. She just has this pitiful existence. And then, you go and with the mistaken identity and the nurse thinks she's the fiance and the family welcomes her and embraces her. And it's just kind of something her character has been craving. And how can you, when it's something you're craving and you want, you need so bad, how can you say, Oh no, no, no. There's just a misinterpretation. She kind of gets caught up in this whole whirlwind of having a family and having people who, like her and support her and love her for who she is. Oh, absolutely. And and she starts spending more time with all of them. She winds up spending like a delayed Christmas with them while he's still in the coma. And that's when she confesses to Saul that, you know, this is uh, this, you know, this is who I really am and what happens. And he cares so much about them that he's like, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to them. But he has grown to care for her, too, and realizes, you know what? You need these people, too. So, yeah, there's this theme that she's all alone, and then the perfect family comes along. How could she dare turn it down? And what's funny is the way she and Jack, Bill Pullman's character, kind of fall together. You know, He's taking over Dad's furniture moving business, and they move a lot of rare antiques and stuff like that. And he goes with her on a couple, or she goes with him on a couple of runs, and they have these really cool conversations where, you know, we talked about this in Pretty Woman where there wasn't a lot, you know, Julia Roberts and Richard Gere kind of dropped the facade for each other real quick and they're just really open and honest with each other. I got that same thing from Jack and Lucy here that they they really are just going to be who they are. And the only thing is, is she's playing a fiance that she's not really, but everything else about her is honest and true. 
Right. And something else that I got from Pretty Woman and I get from this too is I'm rooting for this couple. Oh, yeah. You know, even though he's in the coma and he hasn't said a word, all I, all I think he's done up to this point is smile and fall on the tracks and lay in a hospital bed. You know that Peter is not who she's supposed to be with. And I mean, that's something to say about the direction of the movie or Sandra Bullock's acting is that this guy, I mean, it's not like um, Stucky in Pretty Woman, who's this developed character and you know he's no good. There's <laughs> nothing good going to come of that guy. You know, this guy's just basically laying in a coma, has no interaction. I don't know if in the whole movie he's even said two words. And you just know that they are not meant to be together, that it's a fantasy, that it's not going to work out, it's not going to be the way, but she's meant to be, she is meant to be with Bill Pullman. She is meant to be with him. She's meant to be with Jack. We should also mention this too, that Peter does have a fiance. All right, her name's yes. her name's Ashley, and they've never met her, so they don't know her. She's out of the country on some sort of trip or whatever. So that is why they they sort of just assume this woman is going that Sandra Bullock Lucy is his fiance. He actually has a fiance that is not in the film until the very very end. And it's kind of a running joke in my mind. I'm going, when's the real fiance going to show up? And they keep flashing back to his apartment or his house. And she's leaving him messages going, why aren't you calling me back? What's going on? You know, she has no idea what's happened to him, of course. And, and in the meanwhile, this, this turnstile clerk has moved in on her family. And uh, the other thing about that is, like, you're just hearing her through messages and kind of, I think you also hear her through innuendo from, like, the doorman. Because I think Jack asked the door, because Jack, we have to say, Jack, when he first meets her, is a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, really, you are not with you are not with my brother. Like, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. You know, he's skeptical. Where the rest of the family's not, they're loving and accepting. He's kind of like, whoa, wait a minute here. Let's let's put two and two together. Is this really the type of girl Peter would be with? And you only hear about this other fiance um, by phone messages, and I think Jack makes some kind of gesture to the doorman, like. Like the doorman's like, yeah, I've heard she's a real pistol or something, you <laughs> yeah. know, and all this stuff. And and it kind of sets it up just like, you know, even though Peter's in that coma, you know, he's not the man for Lucy. You you kind of it kind of sets up very well that this just from all this innuendo that this fiance is what you would expect Peter to be with. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she she has, you can picture her in your mind. Exactly. And, and you already said it, you know, we're rooting for Jack and Lucy to get together. Well, they look like they go together, you know, yeah. they, they look like they match. So you, that's what you want, and it's what we all want. We want things that match, especially in romantic comedies. And and they, they play that to the T, yeah. And I think it's funny how they played that fiancé. I have no idea if that actress knew that's what she was getting into, that she was basically going to be a voice on a box. Well, I think so. It's um, Allie Walker, mm-hmm. if he played her. I think she had a show profile or something maybe on NBC a long time ago. <laughs> but that, she's known for playing these kind of parts, kind of. Well, you know... I'll tell you what she's I got known for her kind of playing the big B word, if, <laughs> if you will. That, that's kind of what well, she's known for. 
I'll tell you what I got from her. She would definitely be an, an upstanding member of the Bushwood Country Club. She, yeah. she would be a part in Caddyshack, too. All right? She would be the Robert Stack's you know, granddaughter or something. So, yeah, yeah. They, should, they should have hired her. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of trying to make that sound any better than it was. I, you know, we, we've given how to fix that movie. You can download that, by the way, folks, on continuousplaypodcast.com. Shameless plug number five. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, she she plays a certain type, and and that's what Jack says. You're not the kind of woman my brother would date, you know. I and mean, he goes through that whole thing with her, and they do look odd together. What's funny to me is when Peter wakes up, <laughs> Christy has no idea who the hell she is, but they're all convinced. Oh, he must have amnesia because you know when when uh, someone you've known your entire life wakes up and says, "I have no idea who this person you've all met five days ago is," the answer is amnesia. But this goes back to how loving and caring that family is. They're also very naive. They are. I think that's kind of why why um, Jack is like, like, no, no, y'all, no. And I can I can understand because my mom's getting older, and sometimes I I just want to say, you're being so naive, mom. You know, you're you're older than this. You're smarter than this. So I can kind of identify with him. Like, you just want to go, no, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. No, <laughs> think, put two and two together. And they don't go together. You don't wear a red sock and a blue sock. Oh. You know, you the, you know, use your head. Don't, don't. Be, but I think that's part of their charm. There's well, yeah, this it, little naive family. And they want everything to fit nice little pieces and lucy's a very nice girl and i think that they're relieved and maybe don't want to believe it because they think that's what peter needs well yeah and at this point isn't isn't this uh where you what am i trying to say here um at this point is when you want you get the feeling she's about to to tell them all what's going to happen but saul intervenes and convinces Peter, you need to propose to her again, you know, and, and which is funny. He can remember everything else about his life except this woman. So, you know, whatever they go with it and she accepts, but I got, I don't know if you got it at this point. I got the feeling that she had already fallen in love with Jack, but oh yeah, she's still just I playing totally the role. Did, did I, as, to, I totally got that. And I think a part of her, when he's going around the room and he remembers everybody but her. Yeah. I, I think a part of her would have been relieved if he's just like, I don't know you. I don't know what you're doing here. Or or went one further and go, aren't you that girl who takes my, my um, train fare? You know, yeah. what are you doing here? I think she would have been, I think a part of her would have been relieved. I think most of her is trying to keep up the charade because she wants to get to know Jack better and, and on the other side, she's got this wonderful family unit who loves her and accepts her. And and she's trying to keep up the strength she wants to. But I think part of her would have been relieved. Like, okay, let's just get this over with and get this all up in the out in the open and up in the air so I can get on with my life and I can be with who I really want to be with. Yeah, exactly. And she's she's confided in Jack that you know her dreams are to travel to Italy and to see the world and to be outside of her little turnstile booth. But she doesn't really have opportunity to do that. You know, she doesn't make that kind of money. You know, she doesn't have any family. There's nobody. There's no man there to take her off. You know, and do that with uh -huh. her. So she, you know, he and her have have kind of 
forward this real close relationship because he's talked to her too about, you know, I've kind of always been the younger brother. I'm just the furniture guy. My brother's this successful, whatever he is, you know, that have that whole no. dynamic. But, and he's always like, you know, I just kind of got overlooked by girls. I never met anybody that was fun uh, and all that stuff. And you get the feeling that, like they couldn't have set up more plot points for these two to fall in love with each other. Right. They can, they set it up perfectly. It, it just works, and you're so rooting for for them. They're yeah. such a sweet, cute little couple, and it's and you know the, she's got the creepy neighbor. Um, <laughs> she, I, 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 just, I know he's just creepy. And she's got the she's got the creepy neighbor. She's got her lonely little booth, and and you just the and another thing about Peter, the character, the way that like I said, he doesn't do much, and the way they just kind of. Flick the hair back and the sh- sharp, flashy clothes. Just kind of, you know, he's just, I don't want to say be a loser because he's not. He's obviously successful. But, you know, he's just going to be this this real jerk and this real, you know, he's not going to be good for her. It's just, they kind of set that up without saying it. And they did yeah. a very good job in this movie of setting, like, Peter and his real fiance up without really them doing anything. Well, you make a good point. And I think that, you know, there's a message to this film, right? You know, all these romantic comedies have some sort of underlying message. Pretty Woman's was don't judge a book by its cover because Edward and Vivian were very different people from what they were on the outside. And this movie's theme is, and I think it's pointed directly at the ladies is that, you know, you have these fantasy relationships about the men you want to be with, but what you really ought to look for is somebody that just matches you and that you can talk to. You know, I agree, I agree with you. That's very observant, Jay. Yeah. You know, see, I, you know, uh, I do get it occasionally. So uh, I, I agree. I agree with you, and um, um, yeah, I, women do. As a woman, I will say this: mm-hmm. women have a, and I'm dealing with it with a couple of coworkers now. <laughs> Women build stuff up in their mind. And, you know, they've got... And it's just like they say, most women... I'm not going to throw all um, in there, but most women, like, have the... Like, when they... You go out on the first date, they got the wedding planned. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like they've been planning this wedding since, you know, they were five. And it's just throwing the groom in there or whatever. But I think women get these big, elaborate fantasies and reality just never and it's a good message that maybe you need to tone your fantasies down a little bit tone you know tone them down and live in reality for a little while exactly because the fantasy is peter and that lifestyle right but you realize that he and his fiance are kind of shallow people even though they're very successful and they're kind of jet setters and yuppies and all this stuff they're not as as salt of the earth as his family is, or as his brother is in particular, or as Lucy is. And and you realize there's two things that don't fit in here. And oddly enough, it's not the woman that's carried out the lie. It's it's the the, the successful brother and his fiance. But you know, as, as it goes, of course, because the plot needs them to, he proposes again, they you know, she accepts, even though, you know, her and Jack share this look and it's like, what are you doing? you know? They actually get to the point where they're about to have a wedding. Now, when was this taking place? Did you get uh, well, that? Well, yeah, I thought it was take the wedding was taking place in the hospital chapel. Yeah, I'm like they're they're going through this thing 
fast. It's we must get married now. We've had this traumatic experience. Right. And it, it's, it, I guess I'm thinking like, I, I mean, and it's a movie. I got to yeah. take that into consideration that it's not reality. But, you know, I would think like if that was my son I was talking to, I'd be like, no, let's wait and see if your memory comes back. Then you can be engaged. That's fine. Be engaged. You can be engaged forever. I don't care. But, you know, she's still gonna be a member of the family, so I can change anything. But I would be like, I'd be like, Jack, like, kind of wait. Let's see if your memory comes back before we walk. And I think even when they're having the wedding, he's still got like the IV hooked to him or something, or he's yeah. still in a wheelchair. I mean, like, it's literally in the hospital chapel or something. They're at the wedding, okay? And the priest is just about to perform the wedding, and Jack comes to her, and he's basically, you know, giving her a chance to change her mind. And she says, is there any reason why I shouldn't marry your brother? And he, he doesn't give her one. And I want to say, I, and part of me always wanted to go, you idiot, stand up for it. But I realized that's not what he would do. He is always playing in the shadow, always playing behind a big brother, and he just lays off. And he walks away from the thing he wants because he, he thinks this is what is supposed to happen. And he just walks away. And I, I, that was really sad. For, I like felt you, you feel bad for Bill Pullman in movies. We've kind of set that up already. I felt terrible for him at that point. Oh, yeah. you. He's just kind of got this puppy dog look he's really sad i mean he's just i guess that's why he never gets any leading leading roles because i mean who would believe it maybe and i'm shocked that he did such a good job as the president and um independence day Day, like a year later but yeah he's just sad and he's so soft in general as an actor he's very soft-spoken i think and um and he plays these roles where he's almost passive he's very passive is a good word to describe it yeah and yeah i you do feel sorry for him just about every movie he's ever been in i feel sorry for him at one point well it comes to this point though lucy realizes i can't go through with this and as you know she tells the family everything that she's in love with jack rather than peter and just as this happens the real fiance shows up to stop the wedding, and as the family begins to argue, Lucy slips out, and she just kind of goes about her day. You know, she's <laughs> just gonna she's just gonna go back to her life. She lived this little fairy tale for a while, and now she's done. But of course, we know it's not over. But I, I thought that you know, I I kept waiting. How are they gonna get out of this? You know, and I thought the perfect thing to happen is the the thing blows up on everybody. And she does the thing that people like her should, you know, generally do personality-wise. She just kind of vaporizes in the background and goes away. You know, she walks away. She shares that look with Saul. He understands, and she just goes away. And it's like it never happens. She goes back. She goes back to her life. Yeah, she goes back to her wacky neighbor and her friends and her turnstile booth life. And she's collecting tokens. And one day. She's sitting there watching tokens, and this engagement ring drops through the token tray, and it's Jack. And the entire family is watching. He walks into the booth. He proposes to her, and it's this sweet moment. And I thought that was such a sweet payoff for those two characters. It was. The ending The ending was very good. It was, it, and it's some, like you said, you at first you're mad because he doesn't go and say why she can't marry him, but... <laughs> that's not his character that he's staying in tune with his character up till the very end. 
Yeah. You know and, what I mean? Yeah, and he's he's right there with her. They get married. And of course, you, you you end with just a short little, thank God there were no montages in this movie, but there's a, there's a little That's one. That's because it was in 1995. The montages were uh, on our style. We, we were post-montage, finally. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty woman took them all up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were enough in that one. You know, they, they, they do the little thing, and she narrates, you know, that they got married and went to Italy, and that Peter asked her sometimes later, when did you fall in love with my brother and then that's the line she says well it was while you were sleeping it was you're know, during your coma and that just kind of pays all that off and it's a cute little ribbon on the end of a cute little film it is and it is a cute little film and I, I, one thing I'd like to say about Sandra Bullock and like I said this is one of her early movies mm-hmm. and I think she really cut her romantic comedy chops on it but she just kind of and maybe it's the character she wasn't as funky as she is in her other romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. She just wasn't, and I just, and I guess this is why it's not one of my favorite. It's a very good movie and it's a very heartwarming and the supporting cast is just awesome. Oh yeah. And, They're so good and, in this. Yeah. And um, Sandra Bullock plays it well, I think, but yeah, I like her better when she, and maybe she's playing it perfectly because this character is supposed to be pitiful. Um, and longing for this family. But I just like her when she's spunkier. Like, I loved her in two... I loved her in... Um, I keep wanting to say Armed and Fabulous, and it's not. It's Miss Congeniality, the yeah. good one. Yeah. Um, I, I loved her in that. I loved her in two and a half... Um, two weeks' notice. I love... You know, the proposal was good. She was very good in that. And um, I, she's just... And though she's just spunky and she's sharp and she's witty, she just wasn't that in this. But I think she was kind of cutting her romantic comedy chops in this. I, I think she was figuring it out too. At this Me. point, at this point, she's done. And it was a good movie to start with. Yeah, yeah. At this point, she's done Love Potion Number Nine and The Thing Called Love. Those are really only her, you know, romantic comedies, and neither of those are any good. So don't watch them. I'll tell you now, never play. Uh, but and, and then she's done stuff like The Vanishing and Demolition Man and Speed. You know, so she's been kind of like an action star at this point. Then she does this really understated romantic comedy, and hey, we should admit. She got nominated for a Golden Globe for this. Uh, MTV, of course, was all over her at this point after Speed, but they nominated her again. She had such a neat reaction from this film. and it, I mean, it really made her a bona fide star because she proved that you don't have to look like Julia Roberts to work in romantic comedies. You can look like a normal girl next door and even play that character and still be desirable. And, and cool. you know, Bill, Bill Pullman, actors get away with that all the time. Bill Pullman's whole career is he kind of plays every man. You know, he's just that guy next door. The, the, she, it's harder for actresses to do that, and she does it so well in this. I agree. And something else about Sandra Bullock is she's, I think she's a very versatile actress. Mm-hmm. I think she can do the Demolition Man and Speed, the action stuff, and play it well, and then go into a romantic comedy, and then go into a drama like The Blind Side. Yeah. I think she's... She, I, I would go so far as to say that she's... I, I don't know if she's... She's at least as versatile as Julia Roberts, I think. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, Julia's later career is when she really fanned out and did more different stuff. You know, Sandra Bullock... 
I said in the outset, you know, she's you can't talk about romantic comedies without her in it. She's done a lot of them, sure, but she's done a lot of other stuff too. She's had a pretty varied career, and it and it works for her. It's one of the things that again, this was one of her earlier roles. It was one of her early successful roles, and you really get to see her blossom on the screen and mm-hmm. put in a good performance. And I think you've hit the nail on the head, Anna. This thing is sold though because she doesn't have to carry this film. The supporting cast is so good in this, and the script is so well written. It's a it's a tight little script. There's good music in it. It's just a good film all around. Let's go ahead and give our review play for this. What what do you say? What's your your play recommendation for while you were sleeping? Um, I say play it every once in a while when you're in the mood for it. I don't know if I necessarily watch it if it came on like network TV or if it's on. Depending on what kind of mood I'm in, I might. But it's not something just to watch one time. You know, every once in a while, you know, pop it in, play it, you know, curl up with a sweatshirt and some comfy sweats or and a blanket and sit by the fire and eat some popcorn and drink a Coke and watch it in your living room. I think I, I, think, I think that's worth doing at least once a year. Okay, I would agree with you there. I'm going to go a little further. I'm going to give this one the continuous play stamp. I think this is... This is one of those that just works over and over again. I, and it, I don't watch a lot of these kind of films, but I'll tell you, if this one's on, I don't turn it off. I, I like this movie. I, and I don't say that about a lot of romantic comedies. I get burned out on them pretty quick. But this one, it's not as good as Pretty Woman. And I, I, you know, we don't have a way yeah. of differentiating that here. It's not as good as that, but I think it works. It holds up. It's it's great performances. The characters are so much fun. I think the supporting cast in this is so good. They're half as fun as watching the leads. I, I give this one a continuous play because I think it's just so good. I think it holds up over time. And, it, and it's think, just a sweet, fun movie. And I think it has some... It, I think it focuses more on the... At watching all these that we've gone... We've talked about. Mm-hmm. I think it focuses more on the comedy... It has the romantic in it, but it has a lot of comedy. You get some good. Well, like one of my fun, the funniest things is when Peter wakes up. He's like, "Do I like chicken?" Or yeah. you know something <laughs> like that. Like, do I know if I like this? You, you know, it's and then the the fiance just you know come. It's got some really cute little scenes that'll make you chuckle. It's really heartwarming. It's really good. It's definitely light. It's a lighter subject matter than, than some of the other things that, that we've talked about and even some other romantic comedies. It, and I think that's what makes it work. It, you've got good comedians in it. It's funny. The cast is great. We can't say enough about it, folks. We both recommend you watch it. Anna says occasional play. I say continuous play. Either way, watch this one. It's a winner. It's a good second entry in our romantic comedy retrospective. Well, Anna, we've, we've gone through half of it. We now will come to the third film. We're going to get the band back together next time, as I like to say. We're reuniting gear and Robert and Gary Marshall. It's Runaway Bride. That's our next installment of the romantic comedy retrospective. Thank you for downloading this. Check us out again on continuousplaypodcast.com for further information. We'll see you in the future, folks. Thank you for listening to Continuous Play's Romantic Comedy Retrospective. Check out our other retrospectives on ContinuousPlayPodcast.com. ContinuousPlayPodcast.com and Continuous Play are not affiliated with any movie, television, book, music, or publishing-related company. All properties are copyright and trademark of their respective owners, and all rights are reserved. Tune in next time as we revisit Runaway Bride.